I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. It is Tommy Moore! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass, and Hello everyone and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly, a very happy Christmas to you and almost a happy new year. I'm never sure what to say really in this no man's land few days, but joining us to catch up on some of the rugby that wasn't played, but some of the things that have been going on in the Irish rugby sphere over the last 10 or so days, it's been a while, is Murray Kinsella, how are you? I'm good, still a bit bloated from the last few days of ploughing food into myself, but all good Gav, how have your few days been? Magic, thanks. Yeah, really enjoyable. Um, nice to see people, catch up with people and uh, yeah, physically feel like shit. I'm not going to lie to you, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll try Every year, like you promise yourself, you promise yourself you're not going to do it, but every year it happens. It's unbelievable. Um, and I, I do find with age as well, like I've only been out a couple of times. I've been working uh, a few days because I've New Year's booked off, had grand plans for that. We'll see if they come to fruition or not, but I don't know. I'm 29 now. You're you're a, a little bit ahead of me, but it just gets tougher every year for the body to recover. I mean, we should we, we should listen to athletes, right? They're always saying it. Recovery time is extended when you're that little bit uh, longer in the tooth. But <laughs> what about yourself? What did you get up to? You're down in Waterford as we speak, right? Yeah, I'm here in my brother Harvey's uh, old bedroom, and yeah, it's been great seeing family, seeing friends. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, that's a few points uh, showing its signs there uh, but yeah saw friends on the 23rd did it as much as we could within reason you know yourself you're kind of home by half eight to the mother and you're drunk and staggering around the kitchen but <laughs> it's been good it's been really nice and like at least you are around everyone a little bit more because you're not out until three in the morning so that's been a, a good thing and uh, yeah down here for a few more days and then back up and hopefully back into rugby like it's it's been a mad few days in that regard hasn't it you don't know what's around the corner really you're just hopeful that when we're back up and, and at it it'll be a, a decent schedule ahead of us yeah absolutely even when I recorded a tiny little message just to update listeners as to when we'd be back you're presuming Ulster and Connacht would take place and then like it's wrong to presume anything at this point I think we we know that but um what we'll chat about today, I suppose, Mur, is some of the contract extensions from the last week or so. And uh, I also wanted to start with Alton Delan's departure from Connacht. And we haven't heard from you on it. So first and foremost, had you heard that that might have been coming down the tracks or did it catch you by surprise to the same extent as it did a lot of Connacht fans? Yeah, I think last year there was a bit of chat around it as well. And to be honest, he's always been one of those guys who's on the periphery probably of the Ireland squad, not a regular starter or, or even in the 23 every single time that that you've maybe feared was more vulnerable to approach from abroad. And I think he'd been linked to Racing before. And, and as far as I know, they were in for him again this time. Uh, and he's chosen La Rochelle because there's a, a connection there at Raj and, and because they're a great club. So... On that front, it's a brilliant move for him individually and definitely he was tempted before. Obviously, he's been really loyal to, to Connacht and built a great bond with fans there. And the provinces, I suppose their affection for him has been real obvious over the last couple of days. Even his his fellow players like Jack Carty talking about how much of a legend he's been for them. Um, so no, not a huge shock that he's one of those guys who go and they're the, they're the players who are, I suppose, more interested when, when those foreign clubs are, are showing signs of potentially signing them up because of the 
the lack of certainty around their international careers. When you're a regular starter with Ireland, you're going to do everything you can to to keep that status. But Delan's probably looked at his career in realistic realistic terms and and feels that this is a, a great opportunity that he just can't turn down. And it is exactly that. It's it's incredibly exciting. I think he's going to be absolutely outstanding over there. I think the league will really suit him and the fans will really take to him. So, yeah, a real disappointment for Connacht though, isn't it, Gav? I mean, he, he's a guy who fans really have grown to love and he's going to be badly missed. Yeah, they're conveyor belt there. You've got the Murray brothers from Roscommon. You've got Oshin Dowling and... I think it's clear from the noise coming out of Connacht that they are going to look to try and uh, recruit a more senior lock. But I suppose one of the things that I hadn't taken into into account in losing a player of Delan's caliber is that those guys coming up, like he's shown them the way as well. You know, you're not just losing a player or an athlete. Like I don't think he's the most vocal of guys, but he is certainly a guy who at 28 and after 125 odd appearances for Connacht, like those younger. Uh, up-and-comers would, would look up to and, and probably adore because by all accounts training-wise in terms of how he actually um, acquits himself uh, he's an example to them all. Yeah, definitely and that's a big part of it now is Connacht unfortunately this happens in rugby and, and it's it's always a danger as, as we've just said but they've got to move on and, and plan around it and, and you mentioned the Murray brothers I think it's been brilliant to see Niall emerging so forcefully in the last couple of seasons his younger brother Dara by all accounts is an even more exciting prospect he's a really highly regarded intelligent young man who's got loads of athletic potential so it'll be great to see them getting even more f- and further opportunities I think Oshin Downing has done really well um, since he got back from his injury obviously he was delayed in how he could make his impact from Leinster but he's really impressed me and Gavin Thornbury is also to come back from injury a guy who obviously isn't featuring at the moment but has been on a, a real upward trend of his own and I think will probably feature with Ireland if he can get back to where he was before that injury um, Levafita probably hasn't completely kicked off yet in, in terms of his kind of career and it's been really tough with the breakup of the, the schedule but hopefully we'll see a bit more from him I think if you add another strong signing to that that mix then then you're looking pretty good from Connick's point of view but this is the challenge for them like they particularly recently obviously there's been news around this and Papa Lee going to breathe and um and, and those kind of those kind of things happening but I, I, I suppose Tom Daly who was linked to Munster um re-signing is, is great for them and and they will have challenges in that regard when players do well and, and there's bigger clubs or sorry maybe clubs who've you know, pushed higher in terms of Champions Cup, like a La Rochelle or a Racing with Delan, who are going to turn players' heads. But they've got something nice building there as well, and and they've got to move on from this positively. I I think there are parallels between um, when Donegal Ryan left Munster and this Delan situation. And at that time, in the back of my mind, and I'd imagine in the back of a lot of people's minds, it was like, oh well, that's probably Donegal Ryan's international future over with, and. I mean, obviously at the time when he was playing so well for Racing, people were kind of saying, can you not invoke the Sexton Clause here and bring him back for his Six Nations or whatever? But I don't know, with Delan at at 28, I kind of get the sense that he could excel over there to the extent that he nearly turns more heads at home uh, again and, and one day might land back here for what could still be the prime years of his career for a lock. Um, depending on how long he can kind of hang on to that trademark athleticism. But you could envisage a situation where he comes back at 32 or so and and plays for Connacht or or maybe even plays for Munster, which would be cheeky or is cheeky of me to suggest. But 
I don't know. I just don't feel as though we've seen the end of him um, from an Irish point of view, strictly speaking. Yeah, and the Munster thing is interesting because, again, over the last number of years, actually, I've heard of a few shows of interest or even tentative approaches from Munster, obviously, where he played his, his underage rugby um, and would have been interested in a player of his calibre, particularly with, with Snyman, obviously expected to leave at the end of the province. Um, and that is absolutely a possibility of, of returning home. However, I also see the possibility of him going over and honestly being a, a massive hit over there and just thinking this is... This is brilliant as well. And obviously playing for your country is the biggest honour in the in the game. And I, I think it's great that guys are so focused on that. But there's definitely more outside. And for anyone who's been watching Top 14 Rugby say this season, it's been absolutely outstanding the whole time. I watched La Rochelle. Uh, they, they played Leon last night. It was absolutely pissing rain now. It wasn't ideal conditions, but unbelievable atmosphere. Unbelievable sense of occasion around it. And a brilliant win actually for Ron O'Gara's team. They were 25-3 winners. To, to jump up to fourth. So I, I could see him going over and just thinking this is this is brilliant as well and, and this is different to what I what I've had at home. And um yeah, best of luck to the guy. I think he's going to be a real success over there. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I can't wait to watch him play for them to be honest. Um Andrew Porter, uh in better news for Irish rugby, I guess, and certainly very good news for Leinster. Uh the uh, typical phrase in the aftermath of these deals being done is that's a great piece of business and it is undeniably when you tied out Andrew Porter isn't it? Yeah the other phrase is and cliche is a no brainer and, and this is what it is for me I mean he flipped over to Loosehead at the you know for the start of this season and has made a real success of it so far to the point where you're thinking at the end of November test series this is potentially the best front row in the world that Ireland ha- now have with Porter, Kelleher and Furlong and obviously Sheehan pushing through at Hooker as well and um, competing now with Keller. It's it's really exciting and I think the fact that Porter was a line as a tight head as recently as last summer and is now helping to beat the All Blacks as a loose head is an absolute underlining of his world-class ability and, and that's what you want with these central contracts. You want your world-class players tied down to deals that are, again, uh, uh, you know, not allowing any interest from abroad to, to turn their heads because you can just think of the number of big clubs who would love to to sign Porter up and the kind of money I suppose he would be worth in the market now but he's got a lot of stuff still left to do with Ireland with Leinster like he is still a young man and there's loads of growth left in his game which is the most exciting thing but a very complete player when you think about the dynamism and mobility he brings around the pitch he's got footwork he's got fend he's got obvious power into the carry, he can handle the ball with comfort. His jackling skills are some of the best. I think we mentioned in one of the members' pods recently with Owen Toulon, his jackling skills are some of the best in the Irish team. You know, he's he's like an extra open side there, a, a loose head, and and he gives you such a, a threat there. He's obviously extremely fit as well. And there was a the recent example of him playing 76 minutes in a massive test match, covering ground even in the final minute. He He's a agile defender as well and, and not a weakness in your defensive line so yeah a brilliant player for Irish rugby to have now back on the loose head side and him and Furlong in tandem is incredibly exciting going into the Six Nations and well beyond that I, I think it makes perfect sense for the for the pair of them you would expect that it means of course Keane Healy coming off his centre contract having probably lost that first choice status with Ireland but another guy who if he does go back to a, a Leinster contract or, or whatever way they work it out with the union, still has plenty to offer as well and, and loads for Healy, obviously, 
to to teach Porter as well. So I think we we can definitely agree that was a great Christmas present for Irish rugby. Yeah, I'm smiling to myself here thinking of him being such an agile defender, as you say, because you just think traditionally in a defensive line, like an attacker is looking to isolate front rows or, or maybe a front row and a lock and just exploit that gap. And what a mistake that would be to make if you were trying to isolate Andrew Porter in that line, you know? But um, yeah, it, we all want to we all want to see him and Tyke Furlong in midfield at some stage. Like that would be the <laughs> ultimate Christmas present for everyone. I think listen to this pod. I genuinely think they could do a really solid job, and they obviously can play an offload and pass. It would be a lot of fun to watch. Our colleague Gavin Cooney has been beating that drum for quite some time. He actually thinks he's the pioneer of it, <laughs> uh, and he might be. For all I know, he is. Um, just when you were listing all of his uh, attributes there at Porter you mentioned before that that he still has room to grow his game or, grow, or room to develop where would you like to see him develop most like where is that room as you see it I think the thing with all players and especially probably props of that age is around the the reading of the game and I'm not trying to be critical of how he's read games in the past but you do get a better understanding of the flow and the tactical appreciation for games and that's like Tyke Furlong is a great example he's undergone that transformation in the last couple of years since becoming part of the leadership group with Ireland you know before he's probably just tight head job nail my role try and get some really good carries in probably not thinking a huge amount around what Ireland are doing around the pitch but the more guys you can have with that appreciation for space as well probably again where Furlong excels like I did a piece there for for Christmas on Furlong and it's just watching him off the ball in games is fascinating because he's actually looking all the time. When he's approaching rooks, he's looking. He's not just running to the ball. He's got his head in a swivel. He's scanning all the time. And I mean, that's something you talk about with Premier League midfielders, the the scanning quality, but Furlong does that really well. So things like that with with Porter. and, and, And with all those skills I've mentioned, there's always ways you can get better there, you know? Like even on the Jackal stuff, he's so relentless often for going, for, you know, putting his head in the rock and, and trying to slow the ball. Does often slow it, but I think he'll see opportunity to be even more um, clinical with how he picks out opportunities there and with his passing skill, the timing of passes, staying really square to the line and, and all those things can definitely be just tweaked and, and improved. So the sky's the limit for the guy. Were you surprised that Conor Murray's central contract was extended. Yeah, I was. Like, and I was going to refer to it earlier on when, when you talk about using your central contracts for the first choice guys who are at the very peak of their game. And, and that's probably as much a timing issue with Conor Murray because, you know, I saw the news and I, I kind of went through it in my head and I go, he's not first choice for Ireland at the moment. Jamison Gibson Park has come in in November and, and taken that slot and been really suited particularly to how Ireland are trying to play the game with with tempo, with heads up rugby, as, as as we've heard a few times, with guys making decisions on the move. And those probably aren't Conor Murray's main strengths. Now, I don't think he's as weak in those areas as, as some people might have you believe. And I don't think his form is as bad as some people probably believe that, that his decline has, has been so great. However, he's not a first choice player and that's where my thinking was around it. I look at the the statement they put out, the reminder of his incredible CV in rugby and his status as for me the greatest Irish scrum half ever like he's achieved an incredible amount has been a genuine best in his position in the world in the very recent past in fairness so yeah there's there's those reasons to to dish out a central contract and obviously there's a sense from 
Andy Farrell, you would presume, is, is part of that. And David News Ford, that, that Murray's going to go back and become the, the first choice scrum half because as far as we knew with the centre contracts, that, that's what they were they were about. Um, I don't know what you felt about it, Gav. I've only encountered kind of surprise or or even people bemoaning the deal. And that's not, yeah, that's hard on Conor Murray, obviously, but I don't know. How did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I'm sure he doesn't listen to it or, or read the comment sections of the 42. Like, But um, I, I find he's almost always at the centre of a kind of pseudo culture war at this point and it's it's very much black and white whether people are fully in support of him or more routinely as I see it people think he's finished people don't think he should be getting as much game time even for Ireland at the moment as he does and people who think that he's he's almost an obstacle in the way of Craig Casey's development at Munster as well and I, I, I think it's probably a little bit unfortunate for him that he has played for the last five years, or sorry, excuse me, the last, what, three years um, under a coach who probably doesn't necessarily play to a scrum half strengths at all. I mean, his strengths, obviously, like, uh, aside from being very defensively solid and having a great kicking game and all that, um, are being able to actually control a game. And Munster quite often... Um, don't play a game that's conducive to him actually showing what he's good at or, or the things that he we knew he used to be good at, at least. So I think that uh, perception that he is in the line has been accentuated by the way Munster play and actually by the way Ireland were playing as well towards the end of the Schmidt reign. Like it was almost as though he was seen as the cause of that quite often when in reality, I think that it, it, it was the other way around. So um, I was surprised for the same reason that you were surprised and yet... I didn't feel as strongly about it as a lot of the people who seemed to think it was a crime against humanity, you know? Um, <laughs> lo logistically, as you say, when, when somebody else is first choice, yeah, I think you have to be surprised, but I wonder how much of it may have been a, a bit of a loyalty thing as well um, on behalf of the RFU, just acknowledging that he is one of the greatest ever players. We don't know. Like, I mean, he, he could be on a big pay reduction for all we know. I mean, maybe you do know. I don't know. It's his business, really, but... Um, yeah. I don't know. Maybe there's just a way of doing it without disrespecting him, so to speak. And I know that might get people's backs up. Like it's, it is a business at the end of the day and time waits for no man and all that. But I don't know. He's put a lot into it. Maybe he deserved one more just to, just to see him out. Like, Yeah, I, I would be surprised if it was on the same terms as last time. And that's probably a reflection of where the, the financial side of, of the game is at as, as much as anything. And also... I think probably a recognition from Nusfora and and Farrell probably as well that they don't think or they don't feel the other scrum halves in that pecking order that we so routinely discuss are quite there yet, you know. Like Craig Casey is a good example. Really exciting prospect. Has done really well in so many instances. But I, I suppose even watching this season, I've seen him have poor games for Munster or, or have poor contributions that he would have been, and has actually said he was frustrated with. He's actually said his, his form at the start of the season he wasn't pleased with, but I don't think people really see that. They they see the exciting young scrum half trying to burst through. And as Andy Farrell said about Conor Murray specifically during the November tests, when a guy's been there for a long time, people just want something new and they overlook the the contributions and that definitely happens with Murray like people say he's he's slow there might be a couple of rooks where they they notice that happening they don't notice it with a with a different scrum half so mm. yeah there's been an exaggeration there the other thing with central contracts is like 
Peter O'Mahony is an example of someone who who got an extension on his RFU deal recently, relatively recently, uh, and isn't a first-choice player, but has made a massive contribution in in the past months. Um, Obviously, off the bench, um, as well as around the the camp and the squad and and providing influence and leadership and and those kind of things that aren't as tangible to us on the the outside. And and again, that was referenced from, I think, Nusifor in the in the statement announcing Murray. So there are all those aspects to it. And maybe there's a slight shift in the contracting policy, as well as the fact that like Murray would have had interest from outside. And again, I've heard that in the past couple of months, there was some interest from France and probably decent offers potentially on the table. So therefore it's, you, you know, you've got to weigh up whether you lose this guy completely or you, you, extend with a, with an IRFU contract, because again, Munster would have really probably struggled maybe to, swallow that big contract back onto their budget as well and so there's all sorts of factors in it and it is intricate but I suppose Omani may even be a good example of how a player gets an extension and continues to make a a big contribution despite what many of the naysayers will say. Yeah just before we move on from that because I I think that's interesting do you think like I would say people's um, interpretation of central contracts and the way they're awarded, let's say, is that the IRFU just make a decision. Like Nusifor and whoever sit down, talk about the player, talk about their upside over the next couple of years and make a call. But in Murray's situation, because of what you've outlined about Munster, do you reckon Munster would have been actually leaning on the IRFU to make this decision? Like how influential are the provinces in getting something like this done? Uh, it's all on Nusifor really and he's a He's a guy who has a very thick skin and that's why he's in that position because he can he can listen to complaints or suggestions or whatever they might be from provinces and everyone else and, and make his own decision based on what's the best for the national team. And that's what everything has to re- revolve around at the moment because it's still 80% of, of Irish rugby is in- income is coming from there even in these t- tough times. So that's all he's got he's to think about. It. I suppose he's, again, you look at the succession planning and maybe they don't feel that anyone else in that pecking order there is, is ready for a national contract. Um, Gibson Park obviously has is, is ended the most recent campaign as first choice, but that is literally the first campaign where he was first choice. And it would be very short term, I suppose, from their point of view to, to make a decision on that. Um, and then the other guys who are battling behind it, we always talk about the quality there, but no one's really consistently been that, that third. I think Casey probably is now, again, based on his potential as well as ability to change a game but the rest of the pack are, are, are fighting out I know a lot of people think John Cooney should be that one but he's not and, and I suppose let's not go there because we'll be here 40 minutes later <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's uh, wise I think well what about Nathan Doak then he's, he's uh, signed on with Ulster again uh, along with uh, Stuart McCluskey and Ethan, Mac- Ethan McElroy um, just to touch upon Doak I mean he's had obviously a bit of an explosive start to the season in terms of how he's emerged uh, on the scene. We may be having a very different conversation about the heirs to the position of scrum half in even six months time, you know, so um, as much as on the one hand, it is a little bit alarming if the IRFU see Conor Murray as potentially being the starter again, or if they feel as though the chasing pack, so to speak, aren't quite up to it yet. On the other hand, uh, things move pretty fast in this sport and um, I think Doak being kept on is is uh, a sure for a sign that they do see him as being uh, well understandably a big mm. part of their future definitely like 
brilliant prospect for Irish rugby, brilliant for Ulster to have a guy who fans have already taken a a fondness to and he's the kind of young figure who can I suppose be a focal point for support especially in his, his position he seems like such a confident young man such an array of skills and you know he's learned so much already this season uh, simply through I saw John Cooney being injured and him getting an extended run of games an extended chance to learn week to week of, of running a team from a really important position and it's a really long term deal um, it's a really long term deal to, to keep him there till, till 2026 it's a real statement of faith in his ability and his potential and it's been brilliant for Ulster to get so much good news I mean James Hume signing an extension of his contract there's a guy who I think even more in the short term can play a role with Ireland he's going to start putting serious pressure onto to Ring Rose and, and the rest of the centres in that squad like after that Leinster match when he was a bit of a difference maker he was just so confident in, in stating that he wasn't happy with the lack of game time and, and he he struck you as a young man who wasn't just happy to be holding tackle bags and standing around in training, but really wants to to push through and, and feature in, in test matches. So um, brilliant for them. Tom O'Toole is another one. He's another big, important prospect for, for Irish rugby at Tighthead with Porter going across and and the ramifications, ramifications of that, as well as some of their more senior guys like Marty Moore, Jordy Murphy was another one. And McCluskey is the most important of all. Like he's a totemic figure for for Ulster and he's another one who I, I know for a fact had interest from, from France and would have been just incredible in the top 14 that <laughs> he would have been the star of the show for whoever got him over there but it's been brilliant for, for Ulster to tie him down to a, a three year deal and he'll continue to be absolutely pivotal to them with his um, very complete game in midfield as now so a happy Christmas for, for Ulster definitely aside from obviously the, the COVID outbreak but um, getting guys contracts across the line and keeping a bit of shape around that squad it's it's just great news yeah a few of those were named I think last Wednesday and I forgot we hadn't even been speaking to you on Thursday so sorry for not mentioning the other six or seven guys who'd signed on there alongside the three I did name just on McCluskey I, I, I asked Owen Toolin this on Monday and it's always been a bit of a curiosity for me and you know the way I get anyway with sort of the Jack Carties of this world the John Cooney's who you so artfully <laughs> dodged bringing into conversation a moment ago but like why do you think it hasn't quite happened for McCluskey at international level, knowing the quality that he has that we now see week in, week out. It's the guys in front of him, like quite simply, you know, Robbie Henshaw, starting line, Bundyaki was a test line, Guy Ringrose hasn't been a line yet, but has been outstanding and is, you know, a 13 rather than a 12. So Henshaw and Aki being there is quite simply what's what stopped McCluskey from from playing more and those guys have been really consistent at test level they've been excellent for their provinces when they've played as well and it's just unfortunate timing in that regard I think Um, yeah I think McCluskey would have been disappointed at times when he came in and got rare enough opportunities that maybe errors he made were were held against him more because he's being judged against such a, a high standard you think of that England match in 2017 wasn't it um when he had a couple of loose off- offloads and that happens in a game but when you're under so much pressure to come in and get a brief fleeting opportunity you've, you've got to absolutely nail it and, and that's a really tough position to be in but it's good that he has been kept in Ireland again and there's another good example of a guy who could have had his head turned but he's just such an important figure for Ulster and he's still involved around Ireland camp and hopefully gets a, a few more opportunities. Yeah, I was just going to say like does he without 
trying to say he's a better player than Aki or Henshaw. I, well, I think that he's a lot closer to them than their international caps would actually suggest, right? But um, he kind of brings, potentially brings something to the table that that neither of them do in terms of just how well he's able to offload generally. And the fact that we have to go back to that game of 2017 as evidence for his exclusion since or, or partial evidence for it is kind of, I don't know, just four years like Jesus. You, you just kind of think he would have been given a, a couple of outings just to see since, you know. I mean, he has played since, I know, but... I don't know. I just what I'm asking in a very long window is like, do you see him actually potentially having some kind of an international future, even if it's just the case that he has to wait for, unfortunately, an injury to one of those guys to get on a, a spot on the bench, even and come on and make an impact. Yeah, I think that's realistically that that is it. Yeah, he's got to keep playing really well and be there and ready when, when or if one of them gets injured or as it seems very unlikely, goes wildly out of form. I, I don't see that happening. So yeah, he's he's got to keep plugging away. And and it's also important that Ulster is clearly so important to him. Like that's as important as as, as Ireland stuff is being central to that, hopefully trying to win something with Ulster before his career finishes and just continuing to be brilliantly consistent. His offloading, as you say, is, is a highlight every weekend. In Test Rugby, there just aren't probably as many opportunities for the kind of offloads he's able to throw in, in URC games and Champions Cup games so in fairness he has done it to a very high level but a brilliant player who's got to keep performing and be ready to to take whatever opportunity comes Well you've got about eight press conferences to do today so I'll let you go who's first up? <laughs> uh, we have Connacht Munster and then Leinster today Ulster on tomorrow so I don't know, maybe by the time people are listening to this, there'll be updates on, on games, etc. But here's hoping. Everyone's scheduled as as we speak to do a presser. So that's hopefully a good sign. <laughs> yeah, that's a decent start. We'll leave you to it. Uh, thanks as always, Mer. Cheers, Gav. Chat to you soon. Thanks to you guys at home as well. Hope you've had a brilliant few days. And uh, if you do have New Year plans, I hope they actually happen for you. We will be back soon. I don't know what day it is anymore. Uh, I suppose we'll be back on a Thursday, though, at some point in the near future. Until then, mind yourselves. Take it easy. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year. I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> it is coming on! Robbie, Robbie, weekly. Little reverse pass. And oh! Oh! Magic! You're not alive, boys, so you start kicking when the real...